take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Be sure to check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couples Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for nearly 20 years. Everyone says you have to work on a relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. You know, the topic for today was kind of prompted by a question that a listener had given us, and Mm -hmm. that was the number one factor that you think contributes to relationship dissatisfaction. Um, So we came up with this topic, and that is the top three factors that contribute to relationship breakdown. I really wish that these were fabulous answers, that they were so unique and outside of the box, and there's this beautiful, simple solution, and we're all going to merely go on our way. Yeah, just do this one thing. <laughs> and miraculously, you guys will be awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I think what's more telling and more important is people don't understand why they say these things are the things that break them down. So what we're really talking about are the top reasons people come in to have us help them with their relationships, right? Right. Uh, the top three factors that we came up with were communication or a lack thereof, a lack of emotional investment, and trying to live up to unrealistic expectations. Okay. Well, we're going to go into it. Just, you know, why we think those are the top three factors that contribute to a relationship breakdown. So and when we're talking about communication, um, this is the actually the number one thing that all couples come in and tell us what they want to change, right? Or the reason why they're they're coming in to meet with us. Well, yeah, I think if you live on one side of the river and I live on the other side and we don't have a bridge, that's a problem. And that's all communication is, right? Is a bridge from helping one thing connect to another thing. And communication is the bridge, is the bridge mm-hmm. but it takes understanding, mutual understanding in order to communicate, in order to, un, in order to have empathy for your partner. Reminds me of that sign, you know, when you're driving, it says the bridge freezes over before the road does. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great analogy there. Yeah. And so, you know, in our experience, communication breakdown doesn't happen because of vocabulary. It actually happens mostly initially in the beginning because of kindness. Right. The intention initially is that you don't want to hurt your mm-hmm. partner by saying something that you're thinking or saying something that you're feeling. And so that initial intention is a good one. You are actually holding back. You know, you don't want to cause a conflict. 
Or pain. Or pain. And it's tiring. If there's no resolution to the problem, it's tiring. And there's usually not a resolution to the problem because it's not really understood at the depth that needs to be understood at. This negative pattern starts early on mm-hmm. in a relationship. Yep. Like in the beginning of the relationship, there really is very little risk. And so couples can differ on many different opinions. And you're willing to hear your partner out. You're, you're willing to try to understand their perspective, even if you might disagree. But as the relationship progresses and as you start investing more and more in it, you have more to lose. And so because of that, you are going to hold back on some of those topics that you disagree on. And, you know, we did an entire podcast on communication. Right. So I don't want to go into the nuts and bolts of the communication piece, but I do want to talk about how dangerous it is when we stop communicating, when we stop sharing what's in our heart, when we stop having a place where we can have difficult conversations. Because what we do is we fill in the blanks in our head. Right. The, the conversation doesn't stop. It just continues up in your own head. Mm-hmm. And then what we tend to do is turn the other person into a monster. This is hardened anger right? Where we can't resolve something and we avoid it so much that it just is like this. It's like walking around with a rock in your shoe and it's constantly irritating you. And yet you you don't have time to stop and take it out. And this usually starts with moral anger where you think you are right and your mm-hmm. partner is wrong. And so you start keeping that to yourself and our brain fills in the gaps. And what we know is a hundred percent, it is 50, 50, hundred percent of the time. Each of you contribute equally to the condition of your relationship. If you're holding back, I guarantee you, so is your partner. Right, right. What it feels like is that your partner's getting their way and you're getting shafted. That's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. But it also feels that way for your partner because they're also bending and molding in a certain way because you teach we teach each other how to treat ourselves right right and so if you're holding back they're for sure holding back and because they don't want to say ugly things that are painful so when you stop talking when you stop expressing your feelings your thoughts even how painful it might be that is when you start pulling back and that's when you start armoring up you know and and telling a story in your head that is not true it is definitely not true right it's really amazing how many times we will be starting off a session with a couple and they'll come in with a specific issue and one person will explain their side right Mm -hmm. and then we're like okay what's your side and we go to their partner and say tell us your side and then we usually say to them do you guys know you're saying the same thing (laughs) and they look (laughs) at us with like shock right and awe right Like you both want the same thing and you're both screwing it up in the same way and you both Mm -hmm. feel the same crappiness. And that's just a spiritual truth, right? That all is one. And so I guarantee you, if it's beneficial for you to say something out loud, it is also beneficial for your partner for you to say it out loud as well. Always, 100% of the time. And it has nothing to do with the details or the specifics Mm -mm. of the point that you guys are arguing or that you're in conflict about. What it really has to do with is the feelings, the emotions that are being brought up 
for both of you. And that typically is not what couples are trying to gain an understanding about. They, they take it personally. Right. There are even people who they're so logical and they're so in their head that they completely deny the benefit of having emotion and feeling and the function and purpose of it because it isn't logical and there's no. not a solution. But there is a great healing in the understanding of it. And it, and it feels very out of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And it's easy to just kind of point the finger at your partner and say that, you know, you are completely out of control and, you know, your emotions are crazy and that they are illogical and, you know, that's we can't find a solution, you know, in that place. Do you think that this is a good analogy that, you know, if you talk about your home, right, your home needs a front door with a lock on it. It needs some security. It needs to be self-contained. It needs to um, have safeness, like the length of the steps and where you put your bed and where you cook your food and all of the functionality of a home. But emotions are like the temperature. Like if you have this beautiful home, but it's freezing inside, you know, it's, it's, a sound place and logically makes sense, but it's freezing Mm. or it's too hot. And the emotions are like the temperature of things. And it really isn't about, should we go rearrange the furniture or do we need to remodel something? It's really about how comfortable is this? And that's why people that love things to be logical don't understand why you would talk about this. They would just say, go put a coat on if you're cold. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Just mm-hmm. go and do that, right? This is the solution, the easy solution. And when we're talking about emotions, nothing about that is easy at all. And so it would make sense that when that communication breakdown happens, that second factor that we were talking about would occur, where there is this withdrawal of emotional investment. And then a making up of who you think the other person is. Right. And that's where you start armoring yourself up. You're behind your defenses. You don't want to, you know, come out without being defensive because then your partner can hurt you, you know, and so, and so now you start uh, being less vulnerable with them and stop expressing any type of, you know, vulnerable emotions that you might have. It's interesting that you said that emotions are hard and... I would say that actually, if you're looking at them logically, they're sort of easy. The thing that makes them hard is we think we're supposed to do something with them when we're really not. The only thing we really have to do is hear what the other person is saying and don't fix it and stay there and be with it. But instead we get in trouble because we want to try to fix it and change it. And we think we're supposed to take responsibility instead of just saying, that's how you feel. Well, what we're talking about here are, you know, what the we're forbidden doing. Yeah. F words for oh. men. Yes. <laughs> and that is feelings mm-hmm. and fixing things. Right? Because and failing. And failing. Right. Because emotions are not a problem. Therefore, they don't have a solution. Emotions just are. They just are. Right. And it's the thermometer or the temperature that we take based on a whole lifetime worth of experiences that have very little to do with what's going on right now. And those emotions, mm-hmm. they're not debatable. No. A person can't tell you that 
you shouldn't feel a certain way. Right. Right. You feel it because you feel it. And is what it is. Right. And what, what you're supposed to do is, is truly understand it and why you are feeling that way. Where is it coming from? What is being brought up for you from your past? What is being brought up for you that feels vulnerable? And, and try to understand it and try to learn from it. What we're saying is sounds very logical, but it isn't something you can learn by hearing about it. No. It is like reading a book about how to ride a bike. It still doesn't mean you know how to ride a bike. You still right? got to get on that bike and fall down a few times. Right. Yeah. So this is what we do in the couples intensive weekend is we actually take you through the experience of understanding what happens when you don't fix emotions and when you share them in a safe environment. And if that's all you can learn, that is going to 100% change your relationship. 100%. And not just your relationship, your whole life. Because it lets you off the hook where you have no power and control anyways. And it feels so much better. With, with that third factor of trying to live up to unrealistic expectations, I, I think this is a really big challenge for a lot of couples uh, today. You know, back, you know, let's let's take ourselves 50, 100 years, you know, in the past. We were not bombarded as much as we are now when it comes to outside expectations and how couples should be and what what kind of man you should be in this world and what kind of woman you should be in this world and, you know, this and that and, and what you are supposed to live up to. And today we are told everywhere we turn what kind of person we should be and what kind of relationship we should have. So in our Thursday couple, Steve and Marnie, that talks about the overculture and, and the expectations that come from, and you know, we talked about this in a prior podcast as well, of what we learned growing up Catholic in, in the suburbs of Chicago. You know, and they grew up, Jehovah Witness in the same place. But other people grow up different religions or they have different culture expectations. But I think what's changed today from 50 years ago, I think the overculture had a much bigger opinion about how you should live. But now I think it's so, it's so open-ended that it's hard to know if you're doing well. Well, the, the roles are so different mm -hmm. today yeah. than they ever have been. In the past your role was very static. You know, if you were a male, you were typically, um, you typically had the expectation of providing financially and, you know, being that strong, secure uh, role model in the relationship, maybe the disciplinarian, right? But your expectations were already set forward. It was interesting, we were in Chicago downtown Chicago. Is that Saturday, Sunday morning? Whenever that was. And I couldn't believe how many men I saw with little children. Without, there was no moms around. Like, I don't know if mom was taking a break. I don't know if it was a divorce situation. But I don't think I've ever seen so many dads so engaged with their little kids too. It wasn't, you know, like teenagers. Mm -hmm. Really little kids. And that was something that... I don't ever remember having one-on-one -on -one time with my dad as a child. No, no. ever. <laughs> you know, but maybe I, it was I some family had. time, but yeah. 
And I think that is one of the things that has shifted, right? And the same in the other token is so many women who are working and, and there is a whole different type of balance people are trying to find. And so it's very difficult to judge if you're doing a good job. And it's always really easy to see someone else nailing it in one little aspect, right? So you see someone who just, you know, their kid was the champion of, I don't know, whatever cheerleading right. or something. And you're like, oh, they've got that down. Yeah. And then someone else is like, well, I just got a promotion at work. And you're like, oh, they've got it down. But maybe they weren't there with their kids or the other person didn't. You know, there's so many different aspects. And when we look at just one marker, it can look like we're falling short all the time. Well, that comparison game is very dangerous. Very dangerous. Right? You're always going to find someone who is doing it better than you. And if you're looking, you're also going to find someone who's not doing it as well as you are. That doesn't mean anything. And you're seeing a snapshot. And what it also does is it just promotes more guilt. Yeah. And right? shame. And shame. And just living your life from those two emotions, which does not ever get you anything good. I think the correct way to look at your life is, do you wake up every day doing your best for yourself and the people you love with the information and resources you have in that moment. Because I think everyone is. Your only judge is the person in the mirror. Yeah. And you, you can't even look at prior generations to know if you're doing it right because they did what they did because that's what they needed to do at the time. Right. And the expectations that you have for yourself now are going to be different. And they should be realistic ones, not unrealistic. Unrealistic would be comparing yourself to other people and, and how they are living their lives. Your relationship is unique and you are going to play off of each other's strengths, hopefully, and be able to navigate around each other's limitations. That is the challenge for every relationship. And that changes day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. You know, so you can't even like judge yourself a year ago and be like, oh, I was nailing back then, but I really dropped the ball. It, it, life changed. You right. Know? Life we, changed. We are totally mm -hmm. different people now than we were when we got married. And all of the experiences that we've been through and the challenges we've been through in our relationship have shaped us into the people that we are now. But we can't hold ourselves to the expectations that we had for ourselves back when we first met. I, I have a hard time even remembering that person. I, I don't even. It's like another <laughs> lifetime. Yeah. So we wanted to kind of shift into talking a little bit about Valentine's Day that's coming up. Mm -hmm. That is our 22nd wedding anniversary. Yeah. And we like to celebrate our anniversary every year. Don't get too nauseous out there that is on Valentine's Day. <laughs> um, I think in, in our first podcast, we did mention that it was not our first choice, right? Our first choice was February 21st. Right. But the wed the um, uh, the church was not available that day. It just mm -hmm. so happened it was available on Valentine's Day. So it made selecting colors very easy. Right. Right. Well, and red was my favorite color. Yeah, there so we go. So there was that. And, you know, another little bit of trivia is um, we were married by my army chaplain, mm -hmm. Father Jerome Listecki, who is now the Archbishop of Milwaukee. Milwaukee. So that's pretty cool that 
you know, that was some good energy that merged us, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, in preparation for our anniversary podcast, which will be airing on February 13th, Mm -hmm. uh, we have kind of put out different questions to a lot of people as far as what they would ask us about our relationship, right? Yep, because we're going to share our story on February 13th. And there are several questions that kind of came about of all the responses that we are still getting that we thought we would kind of start talking about, right? And start answering some of those questions. Um, Like that one question of number one factor that you think contributes to relationship dissatisfaction. And so that, you know, kind of prompted us to come up with the three factors Mm -hmm. that we see. Um, But another question that came up was, have you gotten into a major argument where you didn't speak? And if so, for how long? And how did you resolve it? So we have not... Ever uh, fought. (laughs) Ever fought. (laughs) No, we are absolutely perfect. And I don't know what's wrong with you people out there. But um, yes, we have fought in our past in 22 years absolutely we have fought and sometimes we've had some some big shindigs come about but um there are times that we do give each other the silent treatment mm-hmm. and it, we did last week la- <laughs> yes that was a that was a day and a half yep right i, I think today in the last couple years that's about how long it lasts for us now is about a day and a half. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, it typically happens at night before we go to bed. One of us typically sleeps somewhere else. Yep. In the house. In the house, right. In the same space, but uh, in a different bed. Um, and and it's usually the person who's the most angry. Yeah. I, I think it's actually evolved into kind of a, a healthy timeout. Mm-hmm. You know, for both of us, where we're able to kind of separate ourselves from the energy space and then be able to start the cooling off period. Yeah, typically by the time we wake up the next morning, one or both of us is rational enough to offer the other person a cup of coffee. And occasionally one of us, usually me, can't accept it or has a hard time accepting it. I think I have a, a, a harder uh, frozen experience when I'm hurt or angry than you do, where your hurt is is more like you don't like the pain of it, you want it to be over. It's more acute. Where um, I'm more like protective and trying to defend and guard right. myself, so it's harder for me to, to soften. Um, but... I don't think it's ever been two nights in a row in a really long time. And and this is only because we have evolved to figure it out over a long period of time here where, you know, what is our formula of that, that type of conflict? And I think that when we start talking, we don't start to process the problem. We start talking because there's logistics with the business or other things socially or something we have to do. And so we kind of reestablish our partnership based on logistical things until we have a time that feels kind of safer and calmer where we can finally resolve whatever was happening. And I think for me personally, I need the time to figure it out myself. I'm very reactive 
Um, when I'm hurt, I'm extremely reactive and I don't always understand why I'm having such a strong reaction, but it's really fast and very reactive. And so it takes me a good chunk of time to really understand it before I can explain it to you. So we're talking about how we manage that now, but there has definitely been times in our past where we were not so good at managing it or that period of time and not talking to each other was a lot longer than a day and a half. Um, and there was a time when we were arguing a lot about co-parenting um, because I'm a, a stepdad and at the time a stepson was, you know, kind of going through some challenges and, you know, the two of us really argued about how to handle those challenges. Um, and there was a period of time where it was about a week, I think, that I stayed in a hotel and that we did not talk very much at all. Right. Yep. I would say this was um, in the first five years of our marriage. Yeah. So it was definitely during that time. Yeah. Quite a a while ago, and it got to the point where we weren't really resolving things. Um, You were you were angry most of the time, and angry in a way that didn't feel very safe. You know. Mm -hmm. Um, Either for me or the kids, and. It was sort of like, you need to go and figure out a different way because nothing else is going to change. The kids aren't going to change. We're still going to have these challenges, but you can't, you can't do what you watched your dad do or what I watched my dad do. Right. And so, and, and I know I went through this without you because I became a mom and I was a single mom, but I had to learn a different way of disciplining than what had happened to me when I was a kid. And it was a really hard thing because, again, I'm very reactive and the reactivity is the thing that makes you just lash out. And I think up until then, we had not figured out that that time out kind of cooling off, right? you know, kind of function there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was obviously a really huge way of doing that. Um, but I, I think it set things in motion for us to get to where we're at today. What was that time like for you? That was a really difficult time. It was very scary and it was, it felt very, I felt very alone. And so it, it really kind of gave me a perspective of what I would be leaving behind, you know, if we weren't able to rectify things. Um, so I think that perspective was a good one, even, even how scary it was. I would say the opposite is true for me that I think there was a line being crossed that was unacceptable to me, that I was willing to go to go it alone if that didn't change. So, and you know, this is something we talk about that is it is very appropriate in your relationships to have deal breakers and to have high expectations for your partner because without that, we kind of go willy-nilly. If you live your own life with discipline and expectations, then it makes sense to bring those into your relationship as well. Because being held accountable and having expectations, it formulates a pattern of growth that you can then reflect on and change if you want to. But without those markers, it's really difficult to see where you're headed, especially as a couple. Well, you know, when we're talking about this, you know, these periods of time where you don't speak, I, I think that those periods of time can be very beneficial for a couple, right? those periods of time can be used for that self-reflection. 
and really understanding what your piece is in the argument, right? How you contribute to that conflict and what you have power and control over changing. And, and so it is okay if you have those periods of time where you guys separate and, you know, maybe you're not speaking during that time and, and that's okay because, you know, it's better that you're not speaking than escalating the argument and escalating tensions anyway. Would you say that um, we would follow the rules of the walkabout during periods of time like that? Absolutely, yes. Because I think the danger of that is one person feeling abandoned or threatened in some way. And so our rules of a walkabout are when you take time for yourself, you spend it with yourself. You don't spend it with other people. You don't run off to talk to someone, right. you know, about your relationship mm-hmm. and blab to, you know, all these other people to get them on your side. Or distract yourself. Or distract yourself, right. So you don't read books, you don't watch TV, you don't listen to the radio, you don't want any external influences. You just really want that to be a time of self-reflection and understanding where you are and what you need and at the same time keeping the relationship as safe as possible. And the, and the person who chooses to leave should also be the one who initiates coming back together and discussing what happened. Right. Or that period of time that you're apart, you shouldn't use it distracting yourself in any way. So that means not going out to the bar and just, you know, chatting it up with people and, and you know, distracting yourself in that way. You know, there, there are two other questions that kind of came up. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about just combining the two of them and then we can kind of answer it. But okay. um, one question was, what do you feel makes your bond special and fresh after all these years together? In other words, what is your true spe- secret? And the second one is, tell us all of your secrets and how do you balance working together, raising kids and keeping the love alive? I, I think those are pretty related. Um, and, and we can kind of talk about that. Like, how, how do we keep our bond special and fresh after almost 22 years, 23 years together. I love that question because it speaks to something that is impossible. And that thing that's impossible is a thing called stagnation Mm -hmm. because the nature of everything is that it changes. Probably the only thing that's the same about you from the day you're born is your name. And my name isn't even the same from when the day I was born. My first name is. Right. But the the height that I was, the weight that I was, the hair color you had, the... <laughs> hair color I had or the hair color you had? <laughs> Both of us. Yeah. I mean, everything changes, right? Everything changes. Right. I have a lot more gray now. <laughs> and it's because of those changes that it can't get stagnant unless you keep chasing the past. And we hear that a lot when when couples come in and they say, I just wish it was the way it used to be. And they're so missing the point. Because it's impossible. Right. Like, would you go back to high school? No. No way. (laughs) No, nor would I go back to the beginning of our relationship. No. Mm -mm. I mean, we are so much more connected now than we were back then. We were prettier back then. It doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) It really doesn't matter. Everything changes. Everything evolves. And so must the two of you. And and I think that that's really where couples get into trouble 
is they try to go backwards. They try to kind of replicate the past. And it's just not going to have the same kind of meaning as it did back then. It's an interesting thing. Like when we travel, we are always looking for that new experience. And let's say we find a restaurant and it's fabulous. And it seems like every time we go back, it just does not have that same experience. And it seems so magical the first time. And the other problem people have is they don't realize they're a different person, which means you have to relearn who your partner is and how they're becoming and how the relationship is transforming. And that happens because we can relate differently when we do new things. And if you try to do the same thing over and over again, which most people do, right? They sleep in the same bed. They use the same sink, they drive the same car in the same way to work every day, and they sit in the same place when they watch TV, and they sit in the same place when they eat dinner, and all of those things are the same, but it's a different person doing it, just a little bit, just a little different every day. And, you know, those routines might make you feel comfortable, Mm -hmm. and that consistency, you know, makes you feel more secure, but it doesn't add to the relationship doesn't make it special and fresh well it's not true you're a different person doing it you just forget you are right you know your hair is a little different out of place or you have different clothes on you're just different and you know if you kept looking at your person as this new version of themselves this new version of themselves like how many times do you do that with your phone and then your phone upgrades itself and you have to figure out something else i kind of hate that <laughs> it's constantly updating yeah <laughs> And, you know, things I think about that were passions of mine 10, 15 years ago, I don't really care about it anymore. And then there's other things I'm learning that are just brand new and they're exciting and they're fun and you don't even know I'm learning them. Right, right. Well, you know, I think that does point to the fact that human beings resist change. You know, it is not something that is comfortable for us initially, but if you embrace change within your relationship, that is where it feels fresh. That's where it feels new. That's where it feels where you are getting to know your partner in a very different way, you know, versus the same old, same old. I love being at a party and someone asks us what's new. And I love having something to say. And I really hate it when we have nothing to say. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, do that in your relationship. Ask your partner what's new. And if nothing's new, go create it. Because you have 100% control over going out and doing something new. Whether you're going to a different restaurant or walking a different way or sitting in a different spot, you can do something different. Right, or working on a new goal or trying to learn a new task or skill. You know, that it's just, it adds to the, to just the nuance of life. And if you are doing that together, then that's what strengthens that bond between the two of you. And if you need any ideas about that, stay tuned for the 22 date night challenge, which is coming up also on February 14th. And we're going to give you 22 ideas of things that you can do that are new and different and not too expensive. And so we want to thank you again for joining us today and listening to Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. Because we're talking about doing new things and podcasting is a new thing that we've been doing. Well, it's been about a year, but it's 
been a lot of fun. And we hope that by listening to this episode, it's not only beneficial for your life, but also your relationship. You know, so for all you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a, re- a review on Apple Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, you can email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. And for more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And we'd really like to thank you for giving us these topic ideas keep them coming in and if you have asked us a question and we haven't answered it stay tuned because it's coming up in a future episode and if you know someone who could benefit from this podcast please download it and share it and thank you for listening until next time synergize your life and synergize your love you have been listening to couple synergy with dr ray and jean ketkodian couple synergy was recorded edited and produced by dr ray and jean ketkodian voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.